Hey team, Jared Goundry here. I'm six weeks away from being broke. If you think quitting all your jobs to make money solely from jokes and being creative is absolutely crazy, you'd be correct. Enjoy the episode. I think I'm going to call this episode 1.3 million people watched a video of mine online and my life didn't change. (laughs) I think uh, when I first started comedy five, six years ago, I've been doing comedy for six years, but, you know, there's obviously 18 months of that in lockdown, which doesn't accredit to a much. But I think when I first started doing comedy, in my mind, if if someone had told me you had a video that a million people had saw, I reckon, wow, now I'm famous. And I've just come to the realisation that it doesn't mean shit. <laughs> I mean, obviously, there's a great follow-on effect. I had a video, that video uh, made a lot of people watch my previous stuff so I've had sort of like three million kind of views in a short period of time across all of my stuff I'm just going to check that on my stats to make sure I've got the yep 2.9 million and uh, I sort of doubled my following on a video platform which is great and um, I've had a whole lot of people come and message me from that and ask me when I'm going to be around next in their certain towns so maybe we'll see hopefully it uh, converts to something on the financial front that'd be nice because <laughs> right now um yeah it's just life is normal so i'm just starting to realize it's more about consistency and doing the same thing over and over again well i think i'd rather have a hundred thousand views per week every week of the year than you know one million here and there so i'm starting to appreciate consistency a lot more um when I was going viral, I actually, uh, it, it actually became a lot easier. Like I wasn't too fussed because there was just so many notifications that were coming in. It just, it became irrelevant. So that kind of dopamine aspect uh, completely disappeared and I had a normality with it, which I really like. And I think this little lesson for my week kind of goes nicely with the guest that I got on, a uh, wonderful, wonderful Australian legend, Tim Ferguson, you know, notably from the Doug Anthony All-Stars. He hosted a show when I growing up called Don't Forget Your Toothbrush, which was like this fucking mental show where the studio audience used to pack their bags and rock up to this game show. And then at the end, one of them would win a holiday and they'd kind of leave immediately from the studio. Now, I don't know how much of uh, that was just smoke and mirrors in the TV business, but it was fun. And, you know, I met Tim a few years ago uh, through comedy uh, writing and comedy teaching. He's an amazing comedy teacher. He got MS years back and now he's kind of wheelchair-bound. So he uh, wrote an amazing comedy book many years ago called Cheeky Monkey, which I read, and he teaches comedy. And he's so cool, and I've always looked up to him. And to be able to work with him in the past and then have him on this podcast is something really special. So I'm going to leave it to him. It's a really, really great chat. Okay, so we don't want the public to know this, but I'd tell you why you pick jokes, because you want to tell the truth and you don't want to use a lot of adjectives. Okay. Comedy, particularly satire, particularly especially polemic and political satire, is about boiling down what's happening. It's about reducing the things that are being said and done to the point where they become fortune cookies instead of big articles by Peter Van Onsel in the Australian. 
to do it, you've got to read all the articles by Peter Van Onselen and Craig Kelly. Yeah. Oh, you've got to love Craig Kelly in the <laughs> Australian. You've got to read all that and boil it down, boil it down, boil down Janet Albrechtson. I love the way she writes, but I disagree with most of these people. But the reason why you put it in a joke is because even an idiot then can understand it. Right. Whereas not many people are going to read Peter of Van Onselen in the Australian. They need funny guys like you to say, let me tell you basically why uh, David Pocock MP, the independent MP um, in Canberra, is evil. Okay. In in that way, are we sort of the entry level for a lot of people into greater ideas? Yeah, a lot of people, it's been talked about a lot that a lot of people, particularly in America, get their news from the setups of Stephen Colbert's jokes. Right. So they so go the first, away, they hear that, they go away, they go, what's he talking about? And then they dive deeper. Yeah, yeah. So he'll say, you know, President Biden today said, I'm not wearing pants. And he'll have... <laughs> An even better punchline to that. And people go, wow, Biden wasn't wearing pants. Um, so comedy makes it accessible. Doesn't mean everybody's always going to agree with it. Uh, I posted something recently <laughs> that was mocking what was his name? He was he was a big deal for a split second, but now he's in the shit bin of history. Scott Morrison. I wrote, wrote a thing about <laughs> Scott Morrison. And this older woman said, that's a bit rough. And I said, well, sorry, that's the way it goes. And she said, you know, I've never found you amusing. And all I could say is, you know, well, I'll keep trying. <laughs> but she knew there, who you were. Please everyone. And you didn't know sorry? who she, but she knew who you were and you didn't know yeah. who she is. So you've automatically for, got something there. Yeah. And for years, she hasn't found me amusing. Probably because she's, you know, she's the kind of person who votes for the teals. Right, right. You know, right wing believes in small taxes, cutting welfare, but also wants to save the environment because she owns so much of it. <laughs> Brilliant. See what I did there? I did. That's the teals. See, That's... boiled that when people say, what's a teal, Jared? You say, well, they believe in lower taxes because they live in Torak. <laughs> um, they're not so big on welfare, uh, but they like the environment because they own so much of it. And that's all you need to say to explain a teal. As opposed to there's so many issues in the environment. And like driving my kids to school and from school, they worry about the exhaust. <laughs> Fuck that. Wind the clock back for me um, a little bit. Uh, I'm in the position where I've just recently become a professional comedian. I feel like I'm very much in the struggling artist phase. Um, in that part of your career, how did you know, or how were you making money before comedy satire, being an entertainer, took that over for you? It's a funny thing, Jared. Um, I never struggled, ever, not once, because as soon as I could, I, and don't tell the other comedians this, because they are fucking idiots. <laughs> comedians are fucking idiots if they're struggling. You're very young, so it's okay. I went busking. I did it on the street. I met Richard Feidler on the street, so we would sing songs. I did solo stuff on the street where I'd stand on a milk crate. 
and have a little hat in front of me and I would sprout jokes and bullshit for 10 minutes. Then I'd stop and ask for money. Then I'd do it again. Then I'd do it again. Then I'd move down the street and I'd do it again. And that's how I lived and the beauty of it was. There was a time when people had cash and if you made them laugh and you were spontaneous, uh, I used to be able to make up limericks on the spot that rhymed with people's names. Uh, people would give you money. Of course, the trick to doing that is there are names, John, David, Susan, but you just go through the common names and already have in your head the limerick. So, you're so it doing, seems um, like, oh my God. You're doing premeditated sort of musical crowd work. Yeah, yeah. I told him my name was Debbie. And the next thing you know, just straight away, he had a Debbie. I mean, who who has that? What an amazing mind. And you, I went you, busking. And that's obviously worth money. If you're impressing people with that uh, spontaneous yeah. sort of ability, then they'd be stupid not to give you money. Uh, the only other time I've seen it is in Chapel Street in Melbourne. This young guy came up with his girlfriend, they would have been 18, 19, and she held the cap and he said, if I um, read you a poem, will you give me a dollar? And I said, fuck yeah. He said, well, got three choices, can be one about and whatever it was, my mother, rainbows, and, you know, driving a Volvo. And I picked one, he read the poem, I gave him a dollar and he made that money in 90 seconds, 90 seconds times two hours, blah, blah, blah. Who's going to say no to this guy? He's got his girlfriend there as legitimacy. <laughs> so he doesn't look like a junkie or a thief or like he's got a mental illness because she was standing there and she seemed sane and she just adores the guy. Too many people, I'll have a little rant here, too many people are queuing up queuing up to be a comedian. I read a comment from uh, a Brisbane comedian who said, well, I, I've been told that the best thing is, you know, if I just keep doing open mic nights um, and I get myself a good 10 minutes, um, then maybe I can do bigger open mic nights and maybe a showcase and maybe this and fucking that and this and fucking that. What are they doing? Do they want to be a comedian or not? If you want to be a comedian, from the moment you wake up, you are writing jokes, you're writing material. It should be a matter of at least five minutes a week of workable material. If not, get out of the pool, you're taking up room. Too many people are being human. They're standing in line and you don't stand in line. I joined the Doug Anthony All-Stars as a busking act and we busked and busked and busked. And that's what we stayed alive on. We didn't go on the dole because we were busking too often and eventually someone was going to find out. So we didn't need to rely on getting money from anywhere else because we found it on the street. Now, maybe you don't want to busk. Maybe it's... It seems too embarrassing to stand on the street with the person you love telling people, if I give you two minutes of jokes, will you give me two dollars? 
um, if that's beneath you, then so is playing the dog box fuckwit venue where people <laughs> are pissed, where you will not get paid for five minutes of work. And you've got yes. to hang around comedians. Yes. That's hanging around comedians is no way to become a comedian. Comedians are useless, selfish, sniping, <laughs> clique-ridden pricks. And most <clears throat> of them are boys and most of them are pricks who tell jokes about their pricks. That's not a career in comedy. You're not going to get a beach house. How's that rant? Was that okay? Good, good, good. Am I right in assuming that I would say your first gig was a busking gig or was it in a venue? Yeah, no, our first gig was busking for years. So we were busking and I was doing my stupid stuff and clown, weird, warped zombie clown acts in the park for, you know, whatever the money was that we collected. Um, and then one day when the All-Stars knew what we were doing, sort of, a guy who ran a venue said, hey, do you guys want to play in my cafe? And it all went from there. And then we did about a year of that, moved to Melbourne for a few months and then went to Edinburgh. Because Australia is not, Australia still is not the place to start. If you're going to burn your youth, don't burn it at the bottom of the world. You want to go overseas. And in fact, avoid Edinburgh. Just go straight to LA. Everybody wants to be famous in America. Do it there. But Was there a part of you that uh, once you got those venues, because obviously after that you explode, right? Is there a part of you that misses those busking days or how that feels? Because I, I imagine looking back on it, that must be super nostalgic. Oh, no, we... <laughs> We went busking in Edinburgh not so long ago. Really? You've got to sell tickets and it's a madhouse. And the best way to sell tickets in a festival that's got, I think it's over three and a half thousand acts. And some of those acts are fully fledged theatrical productions. You've got to get in people's faces and show them a bit of what you do. You sing a bit of a song, set fire to Flacco and, you know, um, no, yeah, it's we still did it. It's uh, it's a great way for the audience to see what you can do. And even if you're a stand-up, you can say to them, okay, I've got three topics. I'll give you two minutes on either about my mother, my mother, or your mother. <laughs> and they can pick whichever one they want. You give them the two minutes, they give you a pound, and also you say, well, there you go, and here's you know where my venue is, what time I'm on. And in a big festival like Edinburgh, everybody's walking around saying, what's new? Who's doing something that's fresh? And there's nothing better, no better way to prove it than to give people an example. But again, it takes, it doesn't even take imagination. It takes walking down the street of Edinburgh and looking and working out how you can squeeze a ticket out of these people. But, okay. And if you do that, then you work hard and you work it and work it and work it. And what the other thing is, what all the stupid comedians listening who are going, I could never bask because <laughs> and I'll see them at Centrelink. Um, because the difference is when you're busking, when you're doing it on the street, you're practicing your material, the same material that you'll do tonight. What if they 
I mean, what do they think is happening? I know I sound annoyed by people, but I'm not. I'm infuriated by these people. <laughs> um, they, they either want to get hungry, which means eating anywhere you can, or just get out of the fucking way. Comedy is not a self-help exercise. You know, there are people who do, what's it called? Improv. Yes. Um, for self-help. <laughs> which is like, you know, and they do this. It's like, and I've said to them, hey, you know, you can get a free ticket to my course. I've offered free tickets to impro people saying you can come to my course. It normally costs, you know, whatever it costs, a lot. You can come for free because clearly you want to get into this and it'll save you a lot of time. I'll save you three years of impro to get you where you want to go. And more than once they've said, no, no, I don't want to do it that way. Because they're not really doing impro with an eye on any career, because impro is no career. Because you were great tonight. Oh, wow, what are you doing tomorrow? Um, we don't know. Oh, you don't know. Oh, well, that's a shame. <laughs> What what in um I mean, what inspired good if you're a comedian? What inspired you to write your comedy book Cheeky Monkey, which in my opinion is one of the like best technical comedy books ever written? Yes, it's very technical, isn't it, Jared? What inspired me was I went to uh, an Australian screenwriters conference put together by the Writers Guild, who are a great bunch of you know teabag keeping people. <laughs> like teabag keeping, I mean they have tea, they squeeze out the bag and they put it in a little plastic bag and try to get as much as they can. And I realised at this first festival that there were only two people out of hundreds. Uh, this was in Dalesford, land of the lovely lesbians. Fuck, I just loved it. They really do make the best coffee and they're, they're funnier than hetero people. <laughs> Lesbians really are just better. They make better friends. They're smarter. They're tougher. They've actually had to stop and think about who they are and what they want. And some of them have had to fight their families for the chance to do, to do it. Um, but anyway, went to Dalesford and there were only two people even vaguely interested in writing comedy out of hundreds and I had to give a speech because we'd made a show called Shock Jock. Hang on. That'll be someone good looking. Ah, oh, hang on. No, they can leave a message. <laughs> Wheelchair people. Wheelchair people, you know, got to love them. But then I realised there is a big gap and the big gap is that the screenwriters don't understand that there are two masks that make up drama and you know this one of them is crying and one of them's laughing and none of them had the first idea that a script needs comedy it needs light and shade so i wrote the cheeky monkey and uh it's still sells like it's gone big in america it goes big in the uk parts of europe asia hong kong where it's probably illegal to buy comedy writing books. <laughs> yeah. Does it go not through... many people, yeah, not many people have sat down and said, this is what comedy is because you either need to be out of your wits 
or um, well, in fact, you need to be out of your wits to stop the traffic and say, you know, this is the theory of comedy. The beauty is that comedy does have skeletons. You know, the, for example, um, one principle of comedy is that the punchline goes at the end. Now, if you accept that, that it's true most of the time, then maybe there are other principles, you idiot. <laughs> like, stop for a second and do what Jared did. Give me your money or buy my book or get it from a library. I don't need your money. But yeah. stop and think maybe someone has written about how to write this comedy crap. Well, because the there's I hear this like uh, th throughout comedy clubs all through the country. Um, people say you can't teach comedy, and I always say and think, well, why is comedy the only skill in the world? If you want to become an astronaut, someone's got to teach you how to do that. Why is comedy exempt from all of these things? And the pure fact is, it isn't. Ah, yeah, you know why people say you can't teach comedy because they're lazy and stupid. Now, don't ever tell them. <laughs> oh, wait a second, Tim Ferguson teaches people how to do stand-up and so does Dave Cohen in the UK and so does Steve Kaplan in the US um, and they all of them make millionaires out of people um, maybe maybe there's something to learn these people you know I've seen their material the people who say you can't teach comedy and whenever it works I can tell them the name of what they just did. And whenever it doesn't, I can say, well, that's the thing. It's got no name. It's got nothing that identifies it. It's got no hidden pattern of which the audience is unaware. Now, I'm sure there'll be comedians listening because many of them look to you like you're a god. <laughs> so let me tell you this. Okay, if you're a comedian, okay, um, uh, there is a variety of jokes. In fact, if you hold for a sec, I'll do this while you do that. Sure. I'm writing a book on how to write stand-up and you would be thinking... You're writing well, a new book on it. Yeah, yeah, clearly you can't do that. There's there's no such thing no, as writing a book. Impossible task, how yeah. How to write stand-up. <laughs> um, but, I mean, because if it's true that you can't teach comedy, then you certainly can't write a book that explains it. Yeah. Because, you know, old comedy is just whatever you think it is. Old comedy is whatever comes out of your guts or your balls or wherever. <laughs> wherever it comes. Whatever organ but, makes comedy in your body. Yeah, yeah. And most of the time it's, you know, that organ. But here we go. I'll just read you. Here are the chapters. There are the broad principles of comedy, which is just one chapter. Structure. Structure of comedy. Comedy has a structure, how to write a comic story. What What do you mean, how to write a comic story? I use Billy Connolly's stories as an example to show the patterns that he uses, and it's not accidental. Performance, character, how would you do any of this stuff? Now, when you get into the broad principles of comedy, there are there are a few things that become clear straight away. And one is that a punchline most of the time surprises the audience with something that makes sense. So the audience That's my, one of my favorite comedy sayings. 
a joke is just a surprise that makes sense. That's your yeah, original, yeah. is that correct? Uh, no, no, I stole that from Aristotle. Okay, good. Okay, cool. Because I'm stealing it um, from you, so then I don't feel so bad anymore. Yeah, yeah, no, Aristotle said that stories, and particularly funny stories, are a resolution of the inevitable. Sure. But that was only 3,000 years ago, so I can imagine why your average cock rockin' Australian comic walking around in the fog would say, no, no one's ever, no one's ever explained comedy at all. <laughs> well, just wait until your chest hairs grow, you gump. So there, but there are principles, there are ways to write gags. For example, uh, brevity is very important. You've got to keep it brief. Otherwise, the audience works it out before you do and you've got to keep it simple same thing because you need as many drunk people in the audience to understand it as possible and that means you've got to keep it simple you've got to keep it specific specifics really work so if you're talking about say uh, yeah so i was driving my car that doesn't really give people a a picture but if you wanted to say yeah so i was driving my 98 barina all of a sudden we've got a picture of the car mm. and it gives us a picture of you when it gives us a picture of, you know, how much you're going to spend on a car. So mm. specifics help. You want contrast. You want uh, contrast between things that you're juxtaposing. There's no point in saying, wow, the difference between Donald Trump and, you know, Donald Trump Jr. is because nobody gives a shit. They're the same thing. Better to be Donald Trump and, you know, a cat. Now we're talking. And going back to the car, like you can, um, by using specifics, you can add more story. So if you've got a particular car that is a shit box, then that now creates context to the situation that you're about to break it. Yeah. And the barina is going to come back later in your act. You know, if only, and as I guess, you know, everybody, I guess, you know, if only I'd been driving my barina and people go, oh, my God, it's a callback. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's important, finally, to let the audience do a little bit of work. So when you do a punchline um, or you finish a story or a joke, it helps for the audience to make a just a little mental leap um, so that, I don't know, it makes them laugh more yeah now and that but that's it so that for anybody trying to write jokes brevity simplicity specificity contrast end with a punchline let the audience do some work that's it aristotle wrote about this three thousand years ago and it's what everybody does now if you ask any good professional comedian they'll tell you um, usually the more successful they are, the more they'll tell you. The less successful they are, the more they think they'll have to keep that to themselves. You can really? add things like exaggeration and, you know, other principles. But the main thing is to point out to comedians, there is shit that if you know it will save you years of trial and error and then by the time you turn 45, then you go, shit, I should have read that Ferguson book. I should have listened to that Steve Kaplan class. I should have talked to Edwina Exton because she was saying this when I was young and 
actually had some kind of future. Well, um, put yourself in a time warp right now. You're starting comedy again. What does Tim Ferguson do in the current climate of comedy now that the internet's here? Oh, you get on the internet, get a YouTube channel, get a fancy microphone like you have and work out ways to get your audience to come to you. And if you get enough of them, of course, YouTube will pay you. The great thing about uh, the social media and the electronic media in general is that you now have a worldwide broadcasting network in your pocket. You don't have to go round to a TV network and tell people how much you like their shoes. You can just <laughs> do it yourself. It just takes a lot of work. You just have to work and work and work. you got to stop smoking dope because it makes you lazy. I know it's great fun. I know. <laughs> when, you know, you can have a big joint at the end of the week when you're sitting on the money that you've made. But if you're starting the day by smoking a joint, then I will see you when you're 50. Simple so as that. I, work, I, work, work. Yeah, yeah, work, 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 and just keep turning it over. And it's not always good, but that's okay. In um, a way, do you think do you do you apply that that is kind of the same principle when you were busking, but now you can just digit, digitally digitally busk into people's pockets? Yeah, yeah, that's all you're doing is trying to get people as they go past. Use hashtags to let them know, and don't don't discount the idea that you could already be talking to America talking yeah. to Brit. It's called hashtag Los Angeles. Yeah, hashtag, yeah. hashtag Manchester. Hashtag Edinburgh. Because there are people with nothing else to do apart from click. Keep it short. Keep it sweet. Use patterns of three. Don't take up too many people's time. But they will watch and enjoy. A bit of editing. bit of this. bit of that. Um uh it one other thing that drives me nuts with australian comics is this fucking humility for christ's sake if you want to be famous start acting like it there's no point in trying to be famous without saying if you've enjoyed this please like and subscribe Yes. If saying those words makes you choke, and again, I'll see you further back in the queue at Centrelink. <laughs> um, it's okay to say this is great. It's like, you know, when I do comedy courses, I try to use the fact that the people who know me are listening to me to say, trust me, I know this is good. This has transformed careers in the same way that it transformed mine when I was first told it. You've got to come. Um, and there's no ego in that. It's just being practical. Do you enjoy art, artists, or comedy in general? Consider supporting this show at www.patreon forward slash Jared Gandry. Or just Google Jared Gandry Patreon. It'll come up, right? For just two bucks, you can get bonus episodes and content. And together, we can work towards helping me get seven weeks from broke. Send us a message on my Instagram at Jared Gandry. See you there.